Okay. Well, good morning, Todd. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Now I feel like a liar though, because it's the afternoon. I know. Oh yeah, it's not morning. <laughs> well, this is our first like it's totally afternoon. <laughs> not even our. I guess it's not our first, but in a long time, the one that the one that's actually been taking place in the afternoon. So at least we're a little bit more animated. But I will say I was way more awake. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. See, like there are positives. There are absolutely positives. But in general, yeah, it was we had a great talk that we are so excited to share with everybody today with Dr. Jin from Real Housewives of Orange County, but also a incredible physician. And I think that overall it was good because it wasn't like super, super heavy. Right. It was kind of talking about what she's accomplished and and how she's helping others. And I think that's just as important to focus on in these than, than 100%. Just- I think resiliency and her accomplishments and what she has brought to the table for healing people is incredible. And I'm glad we got the opportunity to, for her to share that with us. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. So, and you know, to, to be fair, I, I needed it because I have had maybe one of the craziest, most ridiculous weeks of all time. Why? What happened? Well, I mean, my restaurant... Let's just say August in Charleston is is not a place anybody really wants to be because no, it it's is oppressive. It, it's like it's <laughs> it's a hundred degrees, but it feels like one hundred and fifty because the humidity is out of control. And so it is a great time for all the things you need to break, such as your air conditioner. Oh, no. I got a mold issue going on in my house. I just I have to say I thank you to all service contractors out there because I don't know if, I mean, we would just be living in, you know, Motel 6 right now because I don't know how we would have survived. It's so freaking hot. And I've had all my air conditioners go down at the restaurant, go down here. Wow. Then our hoods broke. Then my, you know, it's just been one of those weeks. So I needed this. I needed Dr. Jen. You needed to turn your next page with Dr. Jen. <laughs> I know. I need her to promise me that she's going to laser my entire body when I come out, the, out there at some point. So, well, well, let me just tell them a little bit about, you know, you might know Dr. Jen from, I'm really sorry you went through that, by the way. That sounds like, <laughs> you know, it's fine. A, that sounds like the worst. Mm-hmm. My, my week wasn't that challenging. I just filmed a, a small student document, uh, documentary, a small student film, a sci-fi film, which is kind of cool. But other than that, Sci-fi. Yeah, it's really fun. But I'm just so sorry about your air conditioning in it. Because if, if anyone knows Charleston in the summer, it is like she said, it is it is horrifically hot because the humidity is is insane. So yeah, I'm really sorry that your workers and your patrons Let's just say that I got I had to get two enormous fifty-five quart dehumidifiers for my home. And I did not realize that we we're all basically just swimming in life, that the water level in the air of your own home in Charleston is like 60% humidity Holy crap! all the time. So there's gallons of water that I'm having to dump out of this dehumidifier like every four to five hours. Wow. So yeah, I was never one of those people who's super into like, it's fall, I want Starbucks and I want like, let's get the fireplace going. I am ready. <laughs> I want pumpkin spice everything. I want I want cold. I want cold. Let's I'm done. <laughs> Freaking done. But yes, let's let's get into to, let's introduce our our guest and get on with it because I, I can't only well, wallow so much. No, it's great. Well, listen, Dr. Jennifer Armstrong, you might know her from the Real Housewives of Orange County, but Dr. Jen is a medical doctor and she serves as the CEO of Advanced Skin Care Dermatology and Plastic Surgery. Many people may know her as one of the smartest and drama-free cast members of the Real Housewives of Orange County. She was born both with a passion for the arts and sciences, and Dr. Armstrong is naturally gifted in the field of aesthetic medicine. Dr. Jen enjoys helping her patients achieve their aesthetic goals through the use of injectable lasers, and other non-invasive treatments. A prolific researcher at heart, Dr. Armstrong has published over 20 academic articles, written chapters of books on dermatology, and received grants for original research. Dr. Armstrong has also pioneered programs for homeless children and has donated her time to underserved patients. Dr. Jen is currently expanding her Armstrong MD product line and launching Armstrong Mind, a division of her practice that specializes in unique magnetic brain treatment called transcranial 
cranial magnetic stimulation, otherwise known as TMS, which can help with anxiety, sleep disorders, emotional trauma, PTSD, autism, and so much more. We are so, so grateful and happy to welcome to the program from the Real Housewives of Orange County, Dr. Jennifer Armstrong. Well, good morning, Dr. Jen. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Oh, just just excited to be here, honestly. Peachy, that, that's peachy all that matters king. to me. But overall, <laughs> fantastic. How about yourself? Yeah, thanks for inviting me today. This is a fun activity. Yeah. I love talking. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, then this welcome to the group of people that also love to talk because uh, that is what we are here for. And it's probably it's a good outlet for us all. So I guess just just get right into it. I know that you and Todd know each other and y'all have actually done some work together, which we'll talk about later. But I am, this is my first time meeting you, which is very exciting. So nice to meet you. So I guess just tell us a little bit about your background. Like where did you grow up and kind of what drew you to the medical field? And is it something you've always wanted, like been interested in? Yeah, I grew up in Laguna Beach where I just moved back to. So I'm so excited to be back home. It feels like I just came home again. But went to boarding school in high school and lived all over the world. And then when you're, when you're in medicine, you're, you know, you do undergrad, graduate school, med school, residency, fellowship. So you get, you move all over the place. I've lived all over. I went to undergrad, went to University of Oregon, then Concordia University, and then Georgetown for grad school, Hawaii for med school, UCLA for residency, blah, blah, blah. I was like, there's like 15 years of my life right there. <laughs> so wow. lived, all, well, that's lived awesome. all over the place. By the time I was through medical school and residency, I was just so ready to settle down. I was like so sick of moving. And before that I had traveled all over. So it's like, it was, it was perfect time to settle down. And, you know, like people are like, oh, I had kids and I, all I want to do is travel. I'm like I was just so ready by the time <laughs> yeah. that happened. <laughs> and as far as medical school, I've always wanted to be a physician. It's like born into me ever since I was a child. I was just like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. So well, that's kind of nice. <laughs> stayed on that path. But the thing is that that's so funny is that I was just much more inclined to the arts. And so I went for undergrad in fine art sculpture on scholarship. And that's kind of a unique combination of the art and science together. So that just came naturally for me. So I had to work harder at the, the science part, where usually it's the opposite, right? People go to medical school, and then they have to kind of learn the art afterwards, or somehow learn it. But that seems like it'd be very beneficial to like literally sculpting people's faces, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it, it was like it fed right into it. It's perfect. Right. So instead of like a paintbrush and clay, now I have needles <laughs> and lasers. Way more fun stuff. <laughs> Definitely. And you are an extremely accomplished doctor. Seriously, y'all go check out her website and see everything that she's accomplished. But what has been the most rewarding parts of practicing medicine and performing cosmetic and medical dermatology to you? I mean, obviously my patients, that they mean everything to me. And by helping them, helping them be their best selves, when they see themselves in a better light and they feel more confident to go complete their dreams and their goals, like that's the most rewarding thing. Like, absolutely. Or even if it's like, if it's not cosmetic, it's a medical problem and it's like a mystery and we solve it together and they get better. It's just really rewarding to watch that and be part of it. That's what feeds you every day is, is, is seeing that smile on your patient's face when they leave. Absolutely. Or when I give them the mirror, I'm always like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? And I love the reaction. It's like, it's like a drug. I'm like, yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm definitely, I'm, I'm very jealous that Todd got to go get, get some, get some stuff done. And I saw all the videos and I was like, I got oh. some wonderful work done. If you guys could check it out, we've got it posted somewhere on the next page. And well, things. I'll be posting it on next page after this, but also it is on four corners productions, social media and stuff. And I will say though, that the coolest thing about the whole experience with Dr. Jen was that it didn't hurt. Like it wasn't painful. Really? Like she contoured my jaw and we did some laser work and it was, I was really shocked about how painless it was and how quick it was. And nobody has said anything. Nobody's been like, do you have any work done? Because it's so, it looks so natural. So props to you, Dr. Jen. 
Yeah, that's the whole thing. You got to be natural. Anyone can just put filler in your face and just be like paint yeah. by numbers, Botox. But to like actually, that's the art is to make it look natural. So how many patients do you see in one day, typically? I usually spend a lot of time per patient. So I don't have a, I'm, I'm not the high volume practice. I like to spend an hour, hour and a half with people. So having like seven, eight patients on my schedule is like, a lot for me, right? That's like eight hours of procedures. So I don't do that. Yeah, I don't do the high volume because if you just spend time with people looking at them or medically, if you spend time with them, they'll just tell you the diagnosis. You just have to actually put the time in. And I think too, you kind of get a, I imagine you get kind of a feel of how like their facial features kind of like naturally work and stuff. So that if you put, yeah. yeah, So it's like, okay, this person's smile is typically like this. Oh, I never even then, thought about that. The entire time you're you're intaking, you know, their face. Oh, totally. wow. Yeah. I've been taking how they talk, how they look, if if one side's asymmetrical, if one muscle is stronger than the other muscle cuz people don't sit and watch them, I mean, except for me right now on the Zoom, <laughs> sit and watch them watch themselves <laughs> talk. I actually think Zoom has been amazing for cosmetics. It's been amazing for my business cuz people do sit and watch themselves talk and they're like, "Ah, I got to come in. Oh, my gosh. I didn't think about that. That is so true. I, so I try true. to just look at the guests. Well, did that happen from the pandemic? Did you see a lot of people come in? Because they, they because we all transferred to Zoom. Yeah. Like, no one was meeting in person anymore. So I'm sure people were like, whoa, yeah, got to take no. care of this. I wanted to do, like, a whole campaign, like, not liking your Zoom face? Come on in. <laughs> That would have been really good. You can still do it. It's still still going strong. So I don't think it's a bad idea. So what would you kind of say are some of the like most memorable moments for you in your career as a physician? Like, is there any, I don't know, funny stories that stick out or or just even bizarre or or, I don't know? Oh, yeah. Well, when you're training, I actually... And training really loved psychiatry. So I was teetering on what I should go with. Like, should I go into psychiatry? Should I go in? But cosmetics was just like so natural for me. And then I didn't want to have kids and be a psychiatrist either. Because I was like, maybe I'll try. <laughs> like, well, I like like the forensic psychiatry, like the up? gnarly stuff. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is such a great career move if I'm going to have children. So I, I spent a lot of time like in rotations. I, I spent a lot of time doing that, like in the in the state hospital and some famous forensic psychiatrists, where you you actually like are assessing people on if they are of sound mind, like for trial. And you know, a lot of people who are in like, do they go to the state hospital or do they go to prison? It's just you basically become like a human lie detector. So that was fascinating to me. It's like kind of scary but fascinating. I like that a lot. Because you're working with like serial killers. <laughs> it's like insane. Yeah, yeah, I actually am like really picking up what you're putting down there because that's like one of my favorite things. Yeah, and I would never think that would be on your path to becoming a physician, yeah. especially to work. But I mean, I guess it helps in every every walk of life. Well, you had well, you go through every specialty, right? So when you're trained, that's why an MD is a no, no limit license. So you train in family medicine, internal medicine, OBGYN, surgery. Like you go through all of them, all the specialties. So you get to like you get to experience each one and kind of see what you want to go into. But that was fascinating. Yeah. Right. Well, a lot of people who didn't know your practice before, a lot of people have come to know you from the Real Housewives of Orange County. And what would you say the process was for being considered for the show? So I think a lot of people always like, well, let me just say the people that I've met that are part of the show are like, oh, they pursued me. And I said, no. And I said, no. And they pursued me. And I was like, that's not what happened with me. Like I wanted to be on the show. I pursued it. I wouldn't let it up. Like it was a goal. I just wanted, I wanted to experience it. And so I worked really hard to get on the show and then you know, obviously eventually did. And I was open about that. I'm ha- I was like, I'm happy to be here. Are you kidding? Like this was not, it's not easy to get on television. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. So. Well, and also the camera loves you. Like even when you're, you were on watch what happens live, you're just, you're stunning on camera. I mean, it's truly. So I think that that was also, you know, not only your credentials and the fact that you're, you know, amazing and you have this amazing life, but the fact that the camera, you know, you, you sparkle when you come on screen. So that makes me happy. I'm pretty comfortable. I mean, I guess at the very beginning, you're, you just aren't used to the process, but I'm pretty comfortable on camera, which was so weird, by the way, Friday, I took my staff out. We went out to lunch and then we went out and we had, we just had drinks after work and they were filming housewives there. I was like, this is awkward, but it was kind of like fun to see all the producers again and be like, hi, how's it going? Literally with my face. I was like, wrong day to do a chemical peel. Really? You guys are here? Like, great. Perfect. (laughs) 
Like, we all know that wasn't planned. Awesome. Like, my skin's like peeling off. I'm like, oh my gosh. And they're like, will you send this release to be on camera? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Not like that. Burn my face. <laughs> Even, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, LA is for as, or Orange County in general, for as big of a place it is, kind of a small town. Oh my gosh, it's such a small town here. Are you kidding? It's like, People think it's a big city, but everyone, I mean, I grew up here and I, I even left for a significant part of my life and came back, but everyone, I mean, you're like one degree of separation. That's cool. That that actually, I don't know. It's kind of comforting. That's how I feel like Charleston is, is a pretty, it's big ish, but it's like, we call it like, you know, basically it, it is a small town. Like you will not, you can't go to the grocery store and, and not see somebody you know, which is, it has its benefits and its downsides. Exactly. <laughs> the day your face is peeling off, you don't necessarily want to see yes, some people. Yes, the day your face is peeling off is not ideal. Of course, yeah. you're going to run into like exactly. every ex-boyfriend, family, you know, television uh-huh. crew there. Of like, course. Great. Yeah, perfect. perfect. It's Murphy's Law. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I have to say, too, that I, you know, I wasn't really I've never watched Housewives like before, you know, I'd probably say this year hadn't really, you know, I'd see it in the background. But my friend is very, very into it. And so, you know, she she's been staying with me for a little bit and and helping me out with my kids. And she turned me on to your season because once I saw it on TV, instead of being like, oh, my God, everybody is screaming, I can't handle this. It was like that whenever I saw you on, it seemed more natural. And I'm not trying to not, I'm not even blowing smoke. It's just like, I feel like there's a very big difference of the head on drama between all the girls. Everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Or everyone. Yeah. But it's just seemed with you, it was like more of like your own personal stuff and, and your business and balancing things like that. So I really appreciated it because it got me into it at least and not feel like, oh, this is only just people screaming at each other. There's actually some substance well, to that it. That makes me happy. I like to hear that. I mean, good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was all very real with me. I just, I, I, I've said it a million times. Yeah. Like, I'm not an actress. I don't know how to act, but it was all very real. It was happening. I wish there was more pause. Like, it was, I'll have to say, as soon as we started filming, like everything just kind of fell apart. My office started falling apart. My relationship started falling apart. So I was just like anywhere I turned, I'm like, I'm either in this dramatic office or at home, like handling a difficult home life or in front of a camera. So I had like nowhere to turn. I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it rains, it pours sometimes. I think that's been my week at least. But I guess one of the things that you kind of want to know is that, you know, how it works with you, like with these ladies, do you meet them like beforehand? Are you meeting for them for the first time on camera? And like, did you develop any like actual meaningful relationships with them? So I had met them before I had I was friends with Bronwyn before our kids actually went to school together forever ago. And then I knew her and Sean. And so I had gone to their wedding rehearsal, not rehearsal, renewal. I don't even know why people do that. It jinxes every couple. Like, just don't do that. Like, for sure, you're getting divorced in the year that you have your vow renewal. Okay, it's like, it's like, it's like people's like, they're trying to convince themselves. It's like their last ditch ever. You're like, don't do that. Okay, please. No. So I had met the girls there. And then I had actually met the girls at Elizabeth Vargas's premiere party, which happened to be at my ex-boyfriend's house. So I met them all there too. And I invite, I invited them to come to the office. So I was like, come on in anytime you want. And, and then basically our first filming was them taking me up on that and saying, Hey, remember Dr. Jen invited us last year. We should, you know, COVID's over. Let's go in. Oh, that's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, I saw that episode. It was interesting, too. They're like, they're like, aren't you super nervous with all these cameras here and you're injecting? I'm like, this is actually my the most comfortable place I am. I'm super nervous when you're all <laughs> screaming at each other at a dinner table. And I'm like, I don't even know how to participate in this. <laughs> you're all ridiculous. <laughs> like, Does anybody need a needle? Does anybody need a needle? Will that help you? Hey, well, <laughs> it's it's Botox? We like Botox your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Dr. Jen, how real would you describe the show as a whole? Do do some or even all the women play it up for the camera? I mean, I know you were very real, but do you feel that any of them sort of how real are the disagreements on the show? I mean, I feel like Noelle, I don't feel like I know for a fact. Noella basically was acting the whole entire time and it was bad. 
But how real is it? I feel like I would have liked to do another season. I mean, in my brain, just because I feel like you would have, you kind of get your legs. You're like, oh, this is how it works, you know? And I feel like you would do better the more you did it, right? Like, do they play it up? Yeah, they played up a little bit. Yeah, of course they do. I didn't personally know how to do that, but I think that if I was going to go forward and ever do it again, if I, I would be more assertive in the things that I said. You know what I mean? Like, I just insert yourself more. Yeah. Like, in normal life, if five people are talking over each other, you just, you don't get involved, right? You don't like talk over people or interrupt people. But when you're on the show, you're like, it's very counterintuitive. You're like, no, I just have to speak louder. Like you have to literally speak, like there's no manners. You have to speak over people. You have to interrupt people. You have to insert yourself in conversations. (laughs) It's like everything that your mother taught you not to do. That's what you got to do. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And a lot of these women are extremely accomplished, smart, women. And so everyone's got a giant personality to go along with it. And I can imagine that that your first season was probably like, holy crap, this is this is a lot. I didn't really feel like I was like, "Eh." I mean, but you got to look at where I came from, too. Right. Like I've gone through hell and back a few times in my life and like dealt with so many different situations that dealing with what five women, it's not a problem. (laughs) I deal with five women every day. I deal with like 10 and then my staff and my kids. whatever. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, that's sometimes I get that question of like, well, how do you handle like the, you know, I own a restaurant, I'm an attorney, I have two kids, I'm single mom. And it's like, well, how how do you deal with all this nonsense at the restaurant? It's like, this is like my safe space. Right. Like I feel at home with putting out fires and and dealing with all of that. Because you're completely in charge. That's why. I mean, I think that's why my office is like my safe space because it's like, well, you're going to do what I say or you're going to leave. Like, (laughs) that's that's simple. Yeah. So. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah. Yes. You've got such a great team, though. I will say they were all so welcoming to me. Your whole staff, honestly, they were just, they were just the sweetest. I truly have the best staff I think I've ever had in practice right now. I, I really, I love them. I try to take care of them as much as I possibly can. They're all looking more and more beautiful by the week. I don't know if anyone's noticed that. <laughs> yes. I, those are all like... That's you. Not That's aging. all you. I can't do this stuff on myself. <laughs> right. and no, but they're great. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you for saying that. So I guess to kind of go to what you mentioned of that, if you would like to theoretically do another season and, and it's you know, been confirmed now that you're not returning to this next season. Kind of when you found out the news about that, how did you feel? Were you kind of upset or relieved? Well, it was very strange because I had like, they had the producer coming over. I had COVID tested. We had arranged everything. So it kind of looked like everything it was moving forward. And then it was like a last minute. I was actually going to ask if they offered me a position. I was going to ask if I could be a friend of, you know, because it was a lot. I mean, it was just a lot. Yeah. Running a practice yeah. and doing that, I think being a friend of is amazing because you're not so much in the weeds, but you get to be part of it, you know? Of course, it was, it was, they were so, first of all, they were so nice. They were like, we want to work with you in the future and any ideas you have and we want to include you. And like, so they were extremely kind to me, which I appreciated a lot. But still, as I said, nobody likes to be dumped. Nobody wants, you know, you want to have options. And I was sad. I cried. I actually cried. Yeah. I mean, even though I couldn't even imagine filming right now, like I could not even imagine it just because like, wow, that's a lot. You still want to be wanted. Everybody wants to be wanted. And I think that people, I don't know what Noella is saying right now. And I don't know what, I don't know what other people have said when they've been let go or they've been asked not to return, but it's, of course, it's sad for everybody. And it's going to happen. The thing is, it's going to happen to everybody too, right? Nobody lasts on the show. That's why I say. It's not your show. It's just your turn. So like, be graceful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like give grace to other people. Right. Absolutely. And so after sort of being thrust into the spotlight on The Real Housewives, what's been your biggest takeaway about fame so far? Have you found there to be any pros and cons to it? Well, I don't really feel like I'm famous at all. I'm just like me. So- <laughs> I hate to break it to you. <laughs> but I, I have do a little know, secret for you. other people feel differently. <laughs> I, I do like something that was very positive is that I had a lot of women reaching out to me that said that they were inspired by my story and overcoming, you know, a lot of trauma in my life and still moving forward. And that inspired them to like go back into the workforce or to follow their dreams, or they could relate to, you know, 
different parts of my life and thanked me for being so honest and, you know, like not trying to fake it. And that, that meant a lot to me because, oh my gosh, I mean, if you could just get one person, you know, who's down on themselves, like can't get out of bed and then they're out of bed and they're back following their dreams, like, wow, well then that was worth it. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. So you actually feel like you kind of have a platform to help others. And you've kind of been referencing some of these things that you've been through in your past. Is is there anything that, you know, kind of sticks out to you that you've you've had to overcome? I've overcome, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of bad negative, like I've had a lot of trauma, I guess you could say it that way. But I mean, even just from my dad, you know, being hit by a car the night before I took the MCAT to get into medical school and I had to go take him off life support and my mom kind of just disappearing. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff and I had bone tumor, massive embezzlement in my company. Like you just like that was all huge things for me, like huge things that they shape who you are, how you behave and in a good way and a bad way, but you got to just keep moving forward. People always ask me, like, how did you overcome this? Like, how did you keep going forward? I'm like, well, what's the other option? You're just going to, like, die in the gutter? Like, you have to. (laughs) You just have to. (laughs) Yes. No, I love that. That's something that, like, my mom and I say a lot. It's like, you know, we lost four of my family members in one year during the pandemic. None from COVID, but it was a horrific year. And people were just like, we just can't. How how did you do it? And it's like, what what are you going to do? You can't turn back time. You can't do anything. We've got children. You both have children. You both have, you know, you have to keep going for at least for them, obviously for yourself. But you also have little ones that, you know, depend on you to keep it together. Having kids helped me a lot, actually. Like I used to have extremely bad anxiety, like crazy debilitating anxiety. And when I had children, it helped a lot. It, helped, it was like almost the focus was off of me where I had to take care of them now. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, like you can't have that. Like you have to take care of them. So it was positive in that way. Right. Well, I definitely relate to you in that way. I mean, kids are a lot of positive things, but that was just one of them. <laughs> Of course, of course. (laughs) We like them. Dr. Jen, you mentioned your father's passing and and having to do that. Was it the day you took the MCAT? It was the day before, the night before. The day before. Yeah, and my whole family liked me. They tried to keep it from me so that I wouldn't know. And I got an email. Someone emailed me saying that my dad had been hit by a car and was in a coma. And I was literally on the phone with my mother. And she's like, like not telling me the truth. So I was like... I'm turning my phone off for 24 hours. I'm calling you after that. And it's the only time I actually ever threw anything. And I threw the computer across the room and like shattered it. So I was just like, so like, ah, you know. Were they trying to protect you because you had the giant test coming out? Yeah, they didn't want me to not take the test and like not follow my dreams. But in my mind, I'm like, my father would want me to take the test. Like he would be so mad, you know, if, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just other crazy things that have happened. I mean, the day that I took the medical boards, I had like, I woke up, I couldn't see out of one eye. I was like throwing up. It's just, I mean, I just feel like there's like all these roadblocks. It's like, that's supposed to be the day that you're just on, right? Like fully yeah. on. And I, yeah, just like stuff like that. So it seems to happen a lot in my life. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like expected now. I'm like, just keep going. <laughs> yeah, I can relate in a lot of ways as far as like, I feel like when I took the LSAT, it was a three day process here every single day. Something, something, something yeah. happened. Like I didn't upload the test from the day before. And I was like, does this mean I'm like done? Do I go home now? Like, did I so fail? Like, what is it? My life like, well, luckily there's a backup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But it was just like, you're already so disoriented and like freaking out the fact that you they throw these, you know, anything in life happens. It's, it's nuts. So you, you clearly have overcome a lot of that stuff. But as far as we do know that you are pretty passionate about traumatic brain injury awareness. And, and so we'd like to kind of know if, you know, that's how my father died. Yeah. You know, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's how he died. He was hit by a car riding a bicycle. So he died from traumatic brain injury. And it's just, it's fascinating that this whole time I've, you know, donated to these universities on research of, how do we manage traumatic brain injury and how do we help these people? And then it just came full circle with this, the brain treatment that we're doing in my office now that we can actually re-stimulate those neurons and like help traumatic brain injury. Like it's just, it's kind of a weird thing. And like, that's just, I think that's such a full circle 
life event. Absolutely. Can we talk about that a little bit? We know you're passionate about this and obviously what happened to your dad. Can can you tell us about custom TMS therapy? Like what is it? And I mean, obviously you got into it because of, of what happened to your father, but I like, actually didn't. That's actually not why I got into it. So it's, oh, I didn't actually, sorry. Yeah, it's actually, so the reason I got into it is because a lot of my patients, I mean, I see patients, I talk to them, I get to know them. I know what their struggles are. I know what's going on. And my take was like, look, you wear your stress on your face, right? Like everything that I can do with lasers and threads and all, all the cosmetic stuff, if you're not sleeping through the night or if you have massive anxiety and depression, like you can see that. So let's like heal you from the inside out. So that's where you do brain beauty body. Like let's actually solve the problems and heal you from the inside out and treat the whole person. And then it came that the customized TMS has been out for quite a while now. It came after that, that wow, now we're seeing a lot of traumatic brain injury being healed because we're re-stimulating those neurons. And so that's what I'm talking about full circle. Like that wasn't even the plan, but then it just like dropped in my lap, basically. It's kind of eerie too, because you already had this interest in like the psychiatry aspect as well. Yeah. And and so now it's like all coming together that you get to do every aspect of it. There was a purpose. Exactly, exactly. I did some training at two of my rotations at Mass General, because one of my dreams was to work at Mass General. So, And we actually set up a derm site clinic there. So there's, believe it or not, a lot of overlap. (laughs) Yeah. I actually have never really thought about that till this moment that you, you can do whatever you want to try to put some lipstick on a pig and, and make it work. But at the end of the day, you know, you're, when you're feeling good and you're like in a good place, it it radiates from you. And so then it's even easier to work off of that as opposed to trying to just fix the symptom. Exactly. And you're actually helping people and getting them better. So, I mean, that's just amazing to me. Well, a hundred percent. And we know that you are heavily involved with philanthropy and actually Laura is actually really passionate about that. She does that as well. What organizations are you involved with and what drives you to give back to the community? Well, the biggest one that I'm involved with is Miracles for Kids. So Miracles for Kids, they started a, they're called Giving Circles, 360 Miracles. So they actually recruited or invited six women in the community in Orange County to start forming these circles of women and you give it, it's like a hundred bucks a month. It's $86 a month. And then it goes a hundred percent to the kids. So it's poverty level children in critical care, poverty level, meaning 35,000 or less a year, which is a big deal. That's like, can you imagine? And with a critically ill child in the hospital. So my circle is I focus on housing. I've worked really hard to put a roof over my kid's head. And I could only imagine if one of them was in the hospital, like I'm, the parent's not going to work, right? You're going to be with your child in the hospital. So I just play it out in my head. I'm like, wow. So they're not going to be working. They're not going to be able to afford their rent or their mortgage. So they're probably going to become homeless. So like best case scenario, you bring your child home and you are homeless. Worst case scenario, you don't bring your child home and you're homeless. So that's what I'm really passionate about that. Like saving, helping the children in the hospital. Yes. But also the family support unit that, you know, people don't recover from that. I mean, especially if you're living at a poverty level income, how would they ever recover? Yeah. Right. So I'm very passionate about that. The CEO, Autumn Stryer is amazing. She's put together such a great organization here and it's here in Orange County. I like that. I like getting my kids involved and have them like pack the boxes and take them to the kids and have them do some heavy lifting. It's it's good for them. (laughs) You know, see, see what else is out there in the world. Yeah. Character building is what I always say. Like, take a look at, you know, when you get upset that you don't get your iPad for a little bit. Yeah. Why don't you check out this situation? <laughs> Might give you a little perspective. Absolutely. Well, the last thing that my father and I did together is form a foundation called the FHG Foundation. And so I used to give money to that foundation that would then help with traumatic brain injury. But I think I'm actually going to just focus on miracles for kids because I've got too much going on. So well, you definitely remind me a little bit of myself sometimes with, you know, you, you get really excited and you want to do all the things know, exactly. and help all the people. And then you're like, okay, now I'm not helping myself. Right. <laughs> so how am I supposed to help the people? I need to rein it in. So, you know, I'm sure you'll get back to doing all of that. And, you know, when it's more 
things are a little bit more calm. Exactly. But we do know as well that you have authored a couple of things. I mean, and by couple, I mean a lot of things. Scholarly articles and a book called Hardcore Health, Live Young. So what do you enjoy the most out of doing your research and writing? And do you think you would ever write a book about kind of your life story and experiences. That's so funny that you say that because a publishing group just reached out to me to write a book about my life story and my experiences. I want you to write a book so <laughs> Todd needs it. I really Todd needs book. want you to write a book. Off air, I was going to say you really need to write a book because people related to you so much on the show and they want to know how you are so resilient. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. But I, you know, I was laughing too when I, my office manager and I were talking about the book. I go, if I literally told my true life story in a book or wherever, I don't even think people would believe it. They'd be like, no, that's not possible. <laughs> like, there's no way. <laughs> like, the truth is stranger than fiction, right? You're like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but also people are like, you can't make this shit up. Yeah, you know? I literally can't <laughs> like, make this up. At some point, it's like, no. Yeah, like you mentioned that you, you had, a, was it a brain tumor or a bone tumor? Bone tumor. Bone. Bone tumor. Yeah. And when was that? That was in my 20s. Oh, so like while you're going through medical school and stuff. Right before. So I went a little bit later because of that. And then I started having all these fractures and I couldn't figure out why I was fracturing. And then eventually was diagnosed so that's why another thing, I mean, I already knew that I wanted to be a physician, but I was on the other side of it. And it was actually really interesting experience because nobody could freaking diagnose this thing. It's like whatever specialty you went, you'd be diagnosed in that specialty. Like went to a cardiologist, you know what I mean? They, they'd say I had that. And so I advocate for patients whenever they get involved in the medical system to have somebody help navigate them, right? And also like not giving up on a patient. I had physicians give up on me and it was devastating. Really? Yeah. And it's like, I'm never going to give up on a patient. Like we're not giving up. So that was, that was a good takeaway. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely too. I mean, I think once you do kind of see that other side, you know, I, I've had my sister-in-law, my late sister-in-law had cervical cancer and, and to, to kind of like experience it, from that way, my mom is a doctor as well, and she would never – she's a neonatologist. She's retired now, but but yeah, she – it's like you really do have to be – nobody really gets how much you really have to be your own advocate yeah. because there's not necessarily like evil doctors that don't want to deal with you, but it's like there's so much. It's the system. Yeah. And the doctors, like even if people are like, oh, doctors are so bad, I'm like, no, they're put into the system that it's almost imp like impossible to practice medicine in. I mean, that's why I just do my own thing. Like, I want to see, I want to spend an hour with a patient. I'm going to spend an hour with a patient. But if everybody did that, you know how, I mean, our whole medical system would change. As I said before, they hand you the diagnosis. It's accurate because you've listened to them. And people wouldn't be falling through the cracks with misdiagnosis or mismanagement of medicine and all that. So it's unfortunate. Yeah. Do you feel like that's kind of what people in the future should be going towards as far as to fix those problems is to make it more customized or, or what, what would be some of your suggestions? I mean, I think that's why people have gone to concierge medicine. That's a big thing now because the difference in care is just like astronomical. Someone's actually paying attention to you. But I, of course, I wish the medical system would change. I just, that seems like a big, a big undertaking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can't. Well, you can't do everything, Doctor Jen. I'm, I'm trying to get the message out for. Yeah, I would say I'm just trying to get the message out for other people to fix it because Doctor Jen said so. Yeah, can someone else throw me a bone here? Come on. Yeah, no, you don't have to. You don't have to do it. You, you, could, you should take a break. But no, I mean, I think that that's just something that's important to to for people to realize that they're not. And, and I think it's great that you're doing it from every angle. Almost you've got your, your practice, you're helping people from the housing perspective and, and their financial issues. So you're already doing more than your fair share. So I um, don't think that for I'm not, sure, I'm not trying to pressure you to oh, fix the man. entire medical community. <laughs> you're like, can you undertake all insurance building <laughs> The infrastructure of the medical <laughs> field in the United States? I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Hey, okay, maybe like next Saturday. <laughs> yeah, next Saturday. Let's pencil that in. 
Pencil it in, yeah. I'd be like, can we put a pen in this conversation? <laughs> yeah, that's just enough. That's enough. <laughs> Need to wait on that. So what's next for Dr. Jen? What can your patients and fans expect to see in the next coming months or years? For instance, we know you've just, uh, you're doing an expansion of the Armstrong MD product line, which we did a promotional video with Four Corners and the products are, I've been using them on my face and I, I swear to God, my face has never been cleaner, smoother. I've been, people are actually- You look amazing. Yeah, I've you. never people been able actually, to stand- looking at him as much now. I'm just kidding. No, he, he's, he, he like, just like all of your employees, he's, you know, he's getting, he's getting younger as we do this. And it's a little bit obnoxious. Aging backwards. Yeah, well, exactly. What can, <laughs> what can they expect? What's next for you? Well, I would absolutely love to do a show that involves medicine. So I'm going to, I'm going to pitch a show called Overfilled, Fixing Bad Cosmetic Work. And all that goes into that and see how that goes. Yeah. So I'm going to probably do that. Overfilled. What a great name. Thanks. I thought of it myself. That is like a really (laughs) good name. And also I can only imagine how many people are out there just like, what did I do to myself? Well, there's also that, that incredible show called that Dr. Dubrow and Dr. Nassif have called Botched, I believe. So this is what's called. So, but yours would be. So they do all the surgical. So they do surgery, obviously. So this is all the non-surgical, right? Like, as I said, in the beginning of the season, people are walking around looking like cat muppets. (laughs) And I think that it is fascinating to people when they're like, what did that person do? And I'm like, oh, like the angle from the nose to the cheek is they like, that's too, like, that's too much of an angle where there should be actually or too much of a slope where there should actually be an angle. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's it. How did you know that? I'm like, that's my job. That's what I do. Yeah, I've been staring at your (laughs) face for the past hour. So that's all I know. But I think it'd be a fascinating show because first of all, like to compare it to botched, with botched, they, they know they're botched, right? And they're looking for help. But with overfilled, people don't realize that they're overfilled. They like think that they look good and you have to go into this whole psychology with them and be like, you don't actually look good. Like you actually look kind of insane. So in the nicest way possible. Will you say that to your patients if that happens, if they come to you and they're, t- and they're overfilled, will you have that uncomfortable conversation? Always, always. My job's to make them beautiful, like their best face. So, and then people, it's really funny because then people will like almost get attached to their feeling like, okay, I see that. I see what you're saying, but, but I paid $600 for this. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. First of all, that's really cheap. And that's probably why it looks like that. <laughs> and, the si- <laughs> and so you have to like get them to let go, you know, like let go of what they thought was beautiful or they, and, you know, and what they had paid for and, and start from scratch. I mean, I did that to Emily Simpson's face. Remember we all saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like that some people get almost like addicted to doing it and you have to be like, okay, that's enough. Like enough. Oh yeah, I, t- I mean, I tell people no all the time. I'm like no, or they come in, they're like, "Do you see this line, like right here by my lip?" I'm like, "I do," but I also see that your neck is like on your chest. So let's like address that. <laughs> <laughs> let's prioritize. Let's like, prioritize. This is not the problem. <laughs> like that one line <laughs> versus. You know. Well, for anybody listening, you you fixed specifically with me. You fixed my hyper. What is it called? Hyperplasia? Oh, the sebaceous, sebaceous hyperplasia? Sebaceous hyperplasia. Yeah. I had those little dots under my eyes and you you made them they, like they're smooth. Like they're not there anymore. Yay! Like, there were these little <laughs> dots under my eyes that were that were there. And she was like, you know what? The laser will actually be really good for that. And I was like, what is what are, what are those dots under my eyes? And you were like sebaceous hyperplasia. And I was like, what is that? You're like sebaceous hyperplasia. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying it. I don't understand why like, you I don't. Keep saying I mean, it. Why aren't you on. understanding? <laughs> it's basically when your pore works out. So think about like your pore is working out and it like builds hyperplasia. Like when you lift weights, your muscles are hyperplasia. Like it's building muscle, right? It's like building something. So it's like a, it's your pore is on overdrive, but then it forms like almost a ring, like a little dot white ring. And you see them on everyone. But we actually have a, we have a new laser that specifically treats that, which is awesome. What's that? The AviClear. We have, so AviClear, ah, yes. yeah, it's, the, we're, I think we're the first ones to have it. Myself and Kathy Fields from Rodan and Fields. So it, it destroys sebaceous glands. So it's the same thing that Accutane does. So you can get Accutane-like results, but with no drugs. Oh, that's nice. Laura's going to come out here and come to you anyway. She already said it. I'm going to make. I'm making an appointment when I come out there with her. So it, it, y'all, y'all, y'all will deal with it. For sure. I'm sure you will. You will deal with 100%. it. Hundred percent. And we have a great laser for that too. <laughs> wow. Of course, we have a laser for that. I have a laser for that. <laughs> You're like, and then this thing on my toe. I'm like, I have a laser for that. That's great. 
I mean, if we can just laser my whole body, I would just, I, I'll do it. I'm in. Okay. I'm already in. I'll just hide in a cave for a week or so if it gets too flared up. Okay, so this is this is what I just did, Laura. I did my face, neck, chest, arms, and legs chemical peel. Oh, really? Yeah. All at once? Yeah. And my daughter walked in. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm putting chemicals on my skin and they're burning. And she's like, you're so weird. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, so I can look like you? <laughs> Here's the gag. When you're done with that, when when you're healed, you're going to have the softest, most glowing skin. That's the that's the trade-off, right? Yeah, I'm telling exactly. you, you look fantastic. I don't even You look incredible. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I think I'm on the I'm on the last day, so I think it's looking good today. Okay. It was cracking yesterday and the day before. But I love doing that for patients too. The ke- the chemical peel on their arms and legs, it's so good. Yeah. I didn't even know you could do that. I'm totally down. All right. Well, I'll be booking my flight right after this. Yeah. I'm like, we can do whatever. <laughs> Let's get in there. Let's just tackle it all at once. So we really can't thank you enough for coming on. We know you're extremely busy, so we don't want to keep you too much longer. But we do have a tradition on this show where we ask a question of the day. Okay. And Todd and I will will answer separately later. But we like to, you know, it's just a little bit of a palate cleanser after talking about a lot of a lot of heavy stuff sometimes. So, so this is the question for today. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with those eight extra hours of sleep? Oh, I'd probably go hiking, walk on the beach, write a book, chemical peel my body. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Every day. We'll dry my hair, which I never do. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Well, we, again, Dr. Jen, it was a thrill to talk to you and thank you for helping so many people every day. You're changing lives and we're just so grateful. We're really, really grateful. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are awesome. Well, it was a blast and we hope you have a wonderful rest of your afternoon and I will be seeing you soon. You better get the laser (laughs) ready. Book that flight. (laughs) I'll fire up the laser. Firing up the laser. (laughs) Fire up up the laser. Other people say fire up the barbecue. We say fire up the laser. (laughs) I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's great talking to you. We'll, we'll, we'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. Take care, right. guys. Bye. Okay, Todd. How did you think that went? Oh, she's so great. She's just so great. She's so relatable. She's doing so much for everyone. And she's a great human. I'm obsessed. Like, I literally want her to be my best friend. And I don't really know how much. I guess I already made it creepy on the actual recording. But I'm going to try to play it cool for a little while and maybe not ask her so much about my own personal <laughs> skin conditions. But, I, I, yeah, I just think she's she just does so much. And Leia said, you know, the other day, she was like, she is, she said, one of the smartest people on The Real Housewives of all time. She goes, no, no, let me correct that. She is the smartest person on all The Real Housewives. And I was like, I feel that. I mean, obviously, as I said in our interview, I haven't watched all of them to, you know, the level that a lot of people get into it. But that was one of the things she drew me into watching because I saw myself and I saw real people more in her than a lot of the other people on the show. And I just, you know, all the, the philanthropy that she does and the awareness. And I just, I think that this, we we didn't get really into the results of the TMS that she's doing, but you know, I've read up on a lot of it and it's a very promising, astounding, promising thing for, you know, treating anxiety and insomnia and and stuff like that. Depression. Depression. So, you know, it kind of reminded me of our combo with with Molly O'Connell about her using ketamine and just these kind of different avenues of doing things. And I don't know. I thought it was all around just delightful. She is wonderful. And there was a lot of things that I actually didn't know about her. The fact that what happened when her father, he got injured the day before the MCAT and then her family didn't tell her. Like, I must have missed, I don't know if she said that on the show, but I I missed that whole thing. And that's, I guess family wants to protect you and so you can do well in the test. And what she's been able to take that and turn that around 
and help people with traumatic brain injuries is incredible and just help people heal from the inside out and take that into also, that's why she says brain beauty body, you know? Yeah. And I did really like that, that full circle moment of that she was interested in psychiatry, ultimately ended up doing, Mm -hmm. and if you think about it, really like a lot of people have psychiatric issues when it comes to their bodies and their physical appearance. 100% body dysmorphia and yeah. Yeah. I mean, eating disorders. For sure. Just in general, like that's why a lot of plastic surgeons, people think, oh, like breast implants. It's like, no, sometimes it's like somebody has an insane burn or, or some kind of disfigurement and that can really impact somebody's self-worth and how they go about in the world. So I think they're very intertwined and she does a really good job of treating people as a whole and not just as parts. Yeah, exactly, Laura. And the fact that she spends an hour to an hour and a half per patient. I mean, she did that with me when I first started seeing her. And she thought she was just like being nice to you. But I thought she was just being like nice (laughs) and being sweet and that we just hit it off. But to find out that it that's her practice. And she's studying you while you're talking to her. She's studying how your face moves. And so she can do her best work. And she is a true artist. I mean, she really, really, she does a great job. And I just love the fact that she also gave us some goss about the Real Housewives and how all that goes down. And, and I think there's something admirable about the fact that she's so honest about, no, I wanted to be on the show. Yeah. I wanted to make that happen for myself. It was a goal and she did it. Yeah. Well, and that's what she kind of kept going back. Well, I've been through so much and I've, and we talked about this off air, but we didn't really want to like dig super, like, let's talk about all of your, your trauma because she's just done so much to make other people's lives better because of that. And I think that that's the focus. Like she is the example of moving forward. Correct. That she's not dwelling. She's making things happen. And I don't think she even gives herself enough credit for how much all that stuff that she went through. No. That then, like she said about the show that, okay, I can handle five women being right. ridiculous. <laughs> like after I've been through all of that. So I don't know. I've, and I also have exactly. to learn about that, you know, she wants to do a show. It's crazy that she's like, well, I, you know, it's very, it would have been overwhelming a little bit to be a full-time cast member again. And I like to be a friend of a show, but I also want to start my own show that's overfilled. I'm like, you are so funny. Right, exactly. And she wants to write a book and you no, know, she's the cool thing. She's done so much, but she's, I feel like Dr. Jen is just getting started. Like, I feel like that's the gag. Yeah. She's just getting started, even though she's done all of this stuff. I mean, she's she's inspiring. And, and doesn't it make you feel like, man, I need to do something else? <laughs> well, I don't know about me. I think I've got a lot going. I'm just kidding. But no, I've, I, I, yeah, looking at, like we mentioned it in the interview, but just going on her website and looking at all the places that she did her training and her residencies and she's and how much she's involved with all these different things. It's she has a ton of experience. So now I feel very protective of her. I was like on her Instagram and people were saying things like, oh, you weren't kicked or you didn't not get rehired. You were fired from Real Housewives. And it's like, why why are you mean? Like, just stop it. Leave her alone. She's done more for this for the the world at large than any of the trolls on the internet. So, and she doesn't need that franchise. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't need that franchise. And she was already changing lives. She's healing trauma on a daily basis, whether she realizes it or not, or gives herself credit for it or not. She literally is helping lives every day. Yeah. People think, oh, it's just Botox and filler and da da da. No, she also does this TMS <laughs> therapy. She's yeah, also- well, I mean, even when it's just like filler and Botox and stuff like that. Uh, and it took me a while to, to come around to this, but it isn't just for, I mean, a lot of times it can be for medical issues. Like you can use Botox to, you know, prevent- For headaches. Yeah, for headaches, for, for other Migraines. ailments in general. So, I mean, even- I've got to get whatever this, some kind of situation figured out with my rosacea, but <laughs> she's not just an esthetician. She is a doctor and she is, she is changing lives and, and doing awesome things. So I feel, I don't privileged to know her now. And I am grateful that you reached out to her and got to go and, and spend some time. And we'll definitely post all of the links to 
the new line that she's done and that she worked with Todd to do with our production company, Four Corners. Just going to drop that in there real fast. <laughs> Check it out. Fourcornersproductions.com. Oh, production.com. But all around, I thought it was great. And I hope that we can have Agreed. her back at some point too, because she was just super fun. Thanks, Dr. Jen. Yeah. Well, I guess it's time for us to ask the question of the day. So okay. I'm going to ask you first, if you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with those extra eight hours of sleep? I'm in such a transitional period in my life. I feel like I would take those extra hours to sort of, I don't know, not give back to myself, but sort of like meditate and do the things that I never feel that I have time to do, like the yoga sure. and more gym and more self-care and more journaling and more, you know, speaking with spiritual advisors and more, I would do more of that work if I had the extra eight hours. Now that I'm saying it, there's nothing stopping me from doing it in the normal hours <laughs> I have now at this point. Everybody should take more time to do that no matter what. And then when you're also going through any kind of transition with any stuff that is really should be your focus. So I'm going to suggest as one of your many therapists right now that <laughs> you start making time for that on the normal hours and then maybe just get the sleep and or maybe that's what you should do is you should flip it. You do all the singing and the performing and all that yeah. stuff during those hours. And then absolutely. Well, what would you do with the extra eight hours? So I, I thought this was funny when you when you came up with this question, because I don't normally get eight hours of sleep. So that would be a gift in and of itself. <laughs> so you would actually first just start at getting eight hours. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that. No, I'd say that, you know me, I'm always busy, busy, busy. It's impossible mm -hmm. for me to kind of sit still. But I would like to do something like write a book. Like I would like to actually have the time to sit down and like, you know, and not necessarily be like a memoir, but you know, something that that's helpful for other people, like lessons learned through this process, lessons learned through opening a restaurant, like just to, and I'd also love to be, have more time to be like a mentor to people because that was such a big part. Like when I was doing, you know, going through deciding with practicing law or going into business, I reached out to so many different people and I, I'm glad that I did to get those different perspectives. And so I would love to be able to offer that a little bit more. And I, and I guess this podcast is kind of my small way of being able to do that. But yeah, you know, I always feel this drive to volunteer more and, and I wish I could, could do that without feeling like I'm abandoning everything else. Cause you know, as far and and I will say spend more, valuable time with my kids, although they would mm. be asleep <laughs> if they were awake, <laughs> because, you know, during the day to day, it's hard. It's hard to have like meaningful time because you're always rushing to go to this place, you know, so, you know, and then especially with two kids with two different needs. And, you know, there's not a lot of like, I'd say one of my favorite things about last weekend was I got to take Isabel to a movie, just her and I, and I forgot like what it was like to just have her and focus just on her and not have her little brother and not have people chirping all over the place. So there's a lot of things I would do. I probably need more than eight hours, but that's the thing. I was just going to say in good Laura fashion, you cannot narrow it down to one thing. No, you, I can't. you would have to do no. 16 things in that eight hours. I'll have to make a list about it, see which one's highest and then pick that one. <laughs> but no, I think overall it's, we do a lot on a day-to-day -day basis anyways. And and I will say that even though I do a lot, I do take time. I've learned because I have been in transitional periods of my life, as everybody knows. And those were times that made me realize that I can't help anyone if I don't help myself first. So, you know, as much yep. as people want to say, I want to be here for these people and they're, you know, for my kids and all that. Like applying your own oxygen mask first is very, very important. I swear to God. Sometimes we're just on this. I was just about to say, put your own oxygen mask on first. I swear. I was just about to say that. Yeah, it's so important. If you can't put that on first, you can't take care of them. You you have to. That is taking care of them is taking yeah. care of yourself. I guess I would add that to my eight hours. I would also be an advocate for people to realize that because it's frustrating when you're like, well, I don't have time to go to a therapist or I don't have have time to go to the gym or I don't have time to even just like do a random hobby that just you want to do. It's not true. You do. You you make time for what you want to make time for. 
And I'm a big believer in that. So I think a lot of people kind of make themselves busy to avoid issues or they are just like, I'll get to that when I get to it. And then next thing you know, they're having a full-blown breakdown. So for me, it's preventative and it's also a healing thing that has to, because, because I think that that's something we've learned a lot in the past few episodes that we've done too, is that your healing is never done. It's never over. So even though I can say that I've overcome this or that, it doesn't mean that it's not still affecting me in some way or affecting even my kids because of that. So I think it, it's an ongoing process that you always have to keep. That layer even mentioned last week, like the drive-by therapy people therapy. that are like, yeah. I just want to fix this one problem and goodbye. And yeah, you can't, you have to put in the work. There are so many resources out there, guys. Like there's not like, you know, there's expensive therapists, but there's also online therapy. There's also people that have sliding scale therapy. If you don't have enough money, they will literally work with you on like what you pay. Like they're here to help and that's their entire 100%. job. So hundred percent. I want that for you. And I hope you start prioritizing that as well. And in general, I think that we all should. So take care of yourselves, people. Exactly. Thank you, Dr. Jen. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Jen. It was so much fun. And she was, it's so funny before we came on, she said that she had seared her face off. And I cannot tell you, she looked like a glowing goddess. So I have no idea what she's talking about. And, and it was just, it was a great experience. So it was so much fun. As always, love seeing your face. You too. And I'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.